One of my favorite insights from this familiar story comes and is highlighted in a creative retelling of it in this little book known as Does God Have a Big Toe? Stories about stories in the Bible. I'm going to read it for you now and I want you to listen closely. I want you to pay attention to it because I think there's an insight in here in this emphasis that probably is not only for Emmett and for our graduates, but also for each one of us as well. Hear these words. When God set out to pick a leader for the children of Israel, the most important quality God was looking for was patience. God wanted somebody who would not give up, no matter how bad things looked, no matter how much the people complained, no matter how long it took to get to the land of Israel. God wanted a patient person to be the leader, so God set out to make a patience test that could be used to find the right person for the job. Now, the angels were always bothering God with ideas, and most of them were not very good. But God was patient, so God listened to all the angel ideas for a patience test. Gabriel came forward with a tangled ball of string. Whoever has the patience to untangle this ball of string is our person for sure. God did not like this test because... Untying knots is just boring work, and string untanglers are usually the kind of people who save rubber bands, and that was not what God had in mind. <laughs> then Michael the angel flew forward with a little puzzle box. You had to twist it so that all the red squares were on one side, and all the green on another, and all the blue on another, and all the yellow on another. And Michael said, this is a great patience test. You have to figure out how to get all the same colors on all the same sides. I'm still working on this one, so any person who can solve this puzzle is our person for sure. Well, God sent Michael away after explaining that you did not need patience to solve puzzles as much as you needed persistence. And God was convinced that some of the worst leaders had the most persistence. Then, of course, God had an idea that was the very best patience test of all. God caused a bush to start burning in the desert just near where some shepherds were pasturing their flocks. A few shepherds passed by it and walked away. They didn't even notice that the bush was burning, but not burning up. Bushes are special, or bushes are not special, and bushes on fire are not that special, so nobody took the time to sit long enough to watch the miracle happen. Moses, who had run away from the palace and become a shepherd, saw the bush, and sat down on the ground and watched. Moses watched and watched and watched and saw that the bush's leaves were burned off and the bush's branches were black, just like an ordinary burning bush. The only thing different about this burning bush was that it did not burn up. It just continued to burn and burn and the branches never fell down in a heap and the fire never went out. And Moses was the only one who waited long enough to notice. Moses tried to get the other shepherds to come over and watch the bush with him, but they all had better things to do. Moses also had better things to do, but he did not know it at the time. In case you missed it, in this scripture and in its retelling... The miracle was not that the bush flamed up, but that the bush didn't flame out. Which is, by the way, a goal all of us should strive for in our own lives. There will be moments in life 
when we all catch fire for something. A new job, a new project, a new idea, a new relationship, a new romance, any number of passions or opportunities. And when it happens, this is so often a gift. When it happens, we should enjoy the gift and we should make it our aim to help others around us enjoy the gift as well, not getting so carried away with our passion that we squash the passions of others. Not getting so passionate about those new relationships that we neglect other important relationships. Not getting so fired up about this idea or that program that we use it as a kind of fire-hot bludgeon to beat and burn out others. That's good to remember. And this is as well. There will be many times in life, in work, in relationships, and in ministry, that you will flame up. If you're patient enough and persistent enough even, it will happen. And as lovely as that can be, it is not the miracle. The miracle will not be that you flame up, but that you do not flame out. Emmett, someone has said that if you make it to the end... If you complete your calling, if you, if, you, if you fulfill the calling on your life and make it to the end of your ministry, that that in and of itself would be a success. And at one angle, that is true. Though I think the deeper insight in this story and in its, in its retelling is that there is something we see not entirely in the bush, but in Moses that can contribute to each of us and all of us cultivating the embers of God's slow, ever-burning spirit in our lives. It comes not just in the miracle of an ever-burning, never-consumed shrub, but also, and perhaps even more, in the seeing of it. Remember, there was nothing extraordinary about the bush There was nothing extraordinary about a bush burning in the desert because in the desert climate, a bush could spontaneously burst into the flames at any time. A flaming shrub or a a flaming tumbleweed would have been as ordinary to a shepherd like Moses as I discovered recently hitting a pothole on the roads of Illinois. A burning bush was an ordinary occurrence. On a busy day, you might notice it burning and you might turn aside and see it, but you'd quickly turn away from it too quickly to see that it was burning up. But not Moses. Moses was paying attention. And I I mean really, really paying attention. Moving through that day in the desert with a humming curiosity about life and his surrounding, so that he was able to slow down long enough to notice a bush that was burning and yet not burning up. And even more, to walk over to that bush and sit down before it long enough to see what it might have for him or even say to him. How many of us would have done that? How many of us would have found ourselves too busy, too preoccupied, too concerned with ourselves in some way to have enough curiosity about someone or something else that, that to see something special was happening? 
How many of us, because we were in our heads or on our smartphones, would have missed the miracle? I'd say most of us. And Moses might have been among us too in the years before. Because in the years before, he was important. He was important, living with important duties in in Egypt, raised by a royal family, formed to be fantastic and for fantastical things. And yet it was in losing his life that Moses gained life. It was in losing his life in Egypt that Moses became Moses. Something had happened in Moses over the course of these many years of seeming unimportance that formed him in such a way that he had become present enough, curious enough, attentive enough in this moment not to miss this moment. Sometimes our greatest need, if the goal is an abundant and meaningful life in Christ, is for life and God to break us down. To break us down enough that we will stop focusing on our own goals and our own self-importance and our own agendas long enough to see what's really going on all around us and within us. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said it beautifully. Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush is a fire with God. But it is only those who see who take their shoes off. Do you see? How do we learn to see? How do we learn to see? We learn to see slowly as we learn to pay attention. To pay attention to what's going on all around us and to what's going on within us. To pay attention to how the wind is blowing to pay attention to how the birds are chirping, to pay attention to how the thunder is thundering, to pay attention to how the bushes are swaying and even burning all around us. Sometimes we pray for burning bushes, you know. God, will you just give me a burning bush so that I'll know your presence and your purpose in my life and for my life. And we often assume that God hasn't sent them But this story begs us to ask instead how often God has and we've actually missed it. How do we miss it? And how do we not miss it? How do we become the kinds of people who do not miss what God is doing around us and within us? We learn through prayer and patience to slow down. To be at peace, or at least to cultivate moments of presence and peace so that we can see and receive the presence and power of God that is burning all around us and wants to burn within us and through us. The meditation on the front of your worship guide is one of my favorites because it not only explicitly names how God works in us so often, slowly, But it also implicitly calls us to slow down and be patient so that we can receive all that God wants to do in us. Turn over to the front of your worship guide and read this with me silently as I read it aloud. Slowly. And Emmett, graduates, I hope you'll take these words with you today as a reminder that almost nothing truly great 
truly rich or truly God-cultivated happens quickly. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay, aren't we? We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time, that is to say grace and circumstances acting on your goodwill, will make of you tomorrow. Only God can say what this new spirit gradually forming in you will be. So give our Lord the benefit of believing that His hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. God's work so often happens slowly in all of us. Wait for it. Don't just wait for it, look for it. Notice it in you and in others and in the world around you. Work with it and allow God to work with you and in you at God's own pace. And know that as you do, the best parts of life and school and ministry and work happen not when something finally comes to fruition, but as it comes to fruition. Don't focus on the destination so much that you miss the journey. Or in other words, slow down. Be curious. Pay attention. Cultivate a sense of God's presence in the present. Because that is where the life is. If you can do that, I trust that you will not only have many beautiful moments where life really flames up for you in wonderful ways, but you will also not flame out as you were ever warmed by the slow-burning flames of God's never-extinguishing presence. May it be true, this day and every day, as we live, learn, and love in Jesus' name. God, we thank You for this moment. This moment. We thank You that You are here with us in this moment. 
God, we know that You are in the past and we know that You are in the future, but if You have called us not to be future or to be past, but to be now because You are here with us. Help us to focus on this. This breath. This day. These people. This calling. This present moment. Help us to be present to You and with You and for You so that we can also be to You, with You, and for You present each and every single moment of our lives. As individuals and as a community. And most of all, as Your children. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.